1: You are Locked On Packers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am Peter Bukowski, and I cover the Packers for SB Nation. I cover the NFL around the internet, and you can follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked On Packers, like us on Facebook, where we post all of our podcast content, and you can subscribe to Locked On Packers on iTunes, on Spotify, on Google Play. Wherever you find podcasts, you'll find Locked on Packers, the number one Packers podcast in the state of Wisconsin. And the show for fans who know what happened, they want to know why and how. Today, we are going to be doing our off-season report card on the safety position. I finally got through the, the top consensus prospects, and I always feel like that's a good time to... Share my thoughts on those players. I know safety is a position that Packer fans have their eye on, both in, in free agency and in the draft. Uh, I would say after pass rusher, it is the, the position I get asked about the most. It is, a, it is a position where Packer fans are passionate about their preferred free agent targets or their preferred draft targets. So we will get to all of those today. Let's start, though, with uh, an explanation of what we saw from these Packers safeties last year. And I don't have to tell you, you don't need me to tell you, we all saw it, it was bad. It was really bad. And I think the Packers are lucky to have gotten a fourth-round pick for HaHa Clinton Dix. He was bad. And so I don't want to waste a lot of times talking about bad players who are not in the future of this team. Jermaine Whitehead already gone. He would have been an F. Eddie Pleasant uh, will not be back. He would have been an F, even just in the brief playing time that he got. Raven Green, for example, um, played, you know, he did some interesting things while he was on the field for the limited snaps he got. But he is not ever going to be a a player that the Packers are going to rely on to play significant snaps in this defense and Kentrell Bryce was given every opportunity to seize the the playing time chance he was given and he was bad he was bad one of the worst tacklers i have ever watched this team have i mean he was terrible i mean every time i would watch the game i would think you know i I know at some point he made a tackle one-on-one in the open field. It has to have happened at some point in his career, but I, I, I can't remember it. I can't remember it happening. He, he was really bad, and, and I, I was an early Kendrell Price fan. I loved the physical tools. I loved the talent that he had. But at a certain point, you have, to, you have to show it. You have to prove that you can be a reliable player, and he never did. So there's really – he's a restricted free agent. He was an F last year and hurt and can't be a starter. He is a special teams player and a backup. So if you want to give him you know, whatever, you know, a, a low round tender and have him back on a, on a basically a nothing contract, great. But with the understanding that he is not competing to start, he is a backup. He is a special teams player. This team can't go into this season and and come through the offseason believing that he is going to be a significant player for them if they do they're going to be in trouble at the position again. So that leaves two and a half players. I think Ibrahim Campbell who is a restricted free agent which means Green Bay can get him back on a on a tender offer assuming no one comes in and tries to you know swoop in uh, which would be crazy I think. I think Ibrahim Campbell showed enough in his brief stint to warrant a further look. He's still relatively young, 26, still athletically gifted, and he was a reliable tackler last year. That's more than can be said for most of the players that came through the safety room for Green Bay last year. The two big names here are Josh Jones and Tremont Williams. And I know there have been a lot of complaints about Josh Jones, My biggest complaint with him last year was I didn't understand why Kentrell Bryce was playing ahead of him. We knew what Kentrell Bryce was. And Josh Jones was not some player who just was was coming in off the street. This is a former second-round pick who had started a bunch of games as a rookie, who had experience, and who was, whether sooner or later, going to be given every opportunity to win the job. So if it's close, and I didn't see Kentrell Bryce do anything in preseason, um, the the training camp reports were not particularly stellar. It wasn't like he was you know blowing Josh Jones off the field. Now Jones was was dealing with an ankle injury, and and there was some complicating factors there. It, this should have been even when he was healthy. This should have been Josh Jones's job to win, and it wasn't for some reason. When he played, of the safeties. He was the best one. He was the only safety in this group, according to Pro Football Focus, that had a passer rating under 100 when targeted. Tremon Williams was a stabilizing force in some ways, but is not a difference maker is not an above-average starter at safety. It It was a fun experiment. It was a nice thing. I thought he would be more impactful because I thought that he would be able to bring his instincts and his work ethic to bear on this position. Maybe he didn't have enough time to learn everything and be in a position to consistently make plays he had to go and play cornerback because of you know the 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 ravaging of injuries at times over the course of a number of games he had to he basically had to change positions midstream to go and play cornerback again because this team was so ravaged by injuries Josh Jones is going to be given another opportunity former second round pick he's not going to get cut has physical talent, I think earned his way back onto the field by working his ass off on special teams. And he, there is still some upside here. He's still a young player in a new defense. This is year two. This is one of the benefits of having Mike Patton is now you can, these guys can grow and evolve in this defense. Josh Jones is going to be here. I've I've basically now only mentioned two names that I think are definitely going to be here. There is an interesting decision that the Packers have to make with Tremont Williams, who was a C C minus player last year. He counts six point three million against the cap, but only one point two if they cut him. That's a five oh it's over five million in fact in savings five point one a little over that even if they move on. He is not. a a preferred starter at safety. Given the way that this Packers cornerback room looks, he is not a preferred starter at corner. So what are you paying for? And don't say a coach because they have coaches. So my, my perspective on this is you have at least two guys on this team already, not currently safeties, who could be safeties, Josh Jackson, and maybe my favorite option, Tony Brown. I think Josh Jackson, as a, as a second-round pick, and as someone who has not played a lot of man coverage in his career, is going to get the opportunity and probably deserves the opportunity to try and make it work at corner. If the Packers have the option with Jair Alexander, Kevin King, Josh Jackson, and Tony Brown, they don't really need Tremont Williams to play corner either. Move Tony Brown... Move on from Tremont Williams and use that money to re sign Bashad Breland. Now you have four corners where the, the, there's the inevitable Kevin King injury or the Josh Jackson continued struggles. Bashad Breland is probably going to get five, six million a year. And I know that he didn't play his best last year, was injured. Injuries were never a problem before. And before that, he was a legitimate quality starting cornerback those guys cost money. Tremont Williams is not that. He just isn't. And I, I know that he got a little bit of his own dead cat bounce by not being ha, ha Clinton Dix. That's not enough. So if he's not a starting caliber safety, which I don't think he is, and he's not going to start for this team at cornerback, then we need to start talking about the money that can be saved by cutting him. I know that he's a fan favorite. I know that he loved being back in green Bay They can use that money better elsewhere, and they have other cornerbacks. Jamal Williams is a cornerback by trade. They have other cornerbacks they can convert to safety who have a better opportunity to succeed and don't cost nearly as much. And given what they're going to have to spend to bring in a high-impact safety, and they probably are going to want to do that, then saving that money and trying to convert an undrafted free agent who was a surprise impact player for you, that makes sense. David Harrison here,
0: the Locked on Washington football team podcast, celebrating with you a 21 grain salute to a less boring sandwich. Thanks to Dave's killer
1: All right, there are a lot of options in free agency, and they are, there's basically there's a group of star players, and then there's this nice middle to, you know, sort of lower middle class group of, of safeties that the Packers could sign at a relatively reasonable price. My position on this is Tyron Matthew is not going to sign in Green Bay. It was an open secret. He was not interested in signing anywhere north of the Mason-Dixon line. My assumption is he's going to be back in Houston, and Green Bay is never going to have a a legitimate chance to try and sign him. LaMarcus Joyner got the franchise tag last year, made $11.2 million, and is not worth that money. He is a talented player. He is someone that you can use in a lot of different kinds of ways He is not a top-of-market safety. And so that leaves Earl Thomas and Landon Collins in that star group. Landon Collins was not great last year. In fact, he only really has one great season of production under his belt. He's still going to want top-of-market safety money. If I'm paying top-of-market safety money for someone, it's Earl Thomas and that's it. Now if they can get Landon Collins at a at a lower number, you know, if he's going to sign for 10, that still might be too much. That was what Earl Thomas made last year. Now if he's going to sign on that Tyron Matthew deal and you're you're going to get him for one year 7, which you're probably not, but let's say three years 21, okay, that that's something that you can start to consider especially when someone like Tony Brown or Josh Jackson in in particular. Could be free safety options, and Landon Collins is better as a box overhang defender, someone who is playing closer to line of scrimmage and is not asked to cover in space. If you're gonna if you're gonna go after one of those stars, it's Earl Thomas, and and I think maybe Earl Thomas or bust, just given what the the safety market could look like. There's gonna be a lot of players. Does that soften the market? The Eric Reed contract suggests. That it won't, but that could be unique to the Carolina Panthers situation. There are going to be a lot of guys available. Last year, there weren't even that many players, and the market was soft. So there's this other group, this middle-class group, Adrian Amos, Adrian Phillips, Trey Boston, Kenny Vaccaro, George Iloka. So Amos is clearly the best of that group. He has been a very good player for a number of years now and could just be, by virtue of finances, squeezed out in Chicago he is definitely a player if i'm the packers i would be targeting because i do think he could end up being worth 8 9 10 million dollars one of the best safeties in football last season and and really the year before one of the most underrated safeties in football he is not the single high monster that earl thomas is but that doesn't matter because mike patton uses his safeties interchangeably he plays plenty of two two high safety And is not going to need someone to just come in and roam the middle of the field. Those kinds of players in general are a dying breed because so many teams are eschewing that sort of single high safety look because it leaves them simply too vulnerable. Uh, it's, It's becoming harder and harder to do that because guys like Earl Thomas don't exist. It's Earl Thomas and that's pretty much it. Adrian Phillips is someone who played outstanding football for the Chargers last year. They may want to keep him, but they may decide that they drafted Derwin James and they can only allocate so many resources to that position. Now, Derwin James being on a rookie contract might make it easier to say, hey, here's the money that we're not paying Derwin. We're going to give it to Phillips. That could that could be a thing. If not, someone that Green Bay could potentially look into. Trey Boston was a name mentioned last year. He got paid a remarkably small amount to go to the Arizona Cardinals. If if that is the number again after a solid season for him, uh, that I mean, there's just no question. He only got 1.5 million last year, and was a solid player. I uh, had three interceptions, 79 tackles. was a was a solid player. He would be an upgrade if he's going to cost three, four million. That is definitely someone that I think is worth pursuing. I I don't think Kenny Vaccaro is a reasonable option. If they wanted to sign him, they would have signed him last year. I I would have liked that. I I would have thought that that made sense for them, but I I don't think it's realistic for Green Bay because they had their opportunity for months in in a worse safety position than I think they find themselves in now, and they decided to do nothing. And then George Iloka... You know he was he was a surprise when the Bengals moved on. The Vikings pounced. Green Bay had their opportunity there as well. And you know Iloka as a former Bengal familiarity with Mike Zimmer with the scheme and the system maybe that played a role. Maybe you know this off season with a full off season to to you know get a, get a lay of the land and have opportunities to go through training camp and stick somewhere. Maybe he becomes an option for Green Bay. But I I just, I don't know how much he really moves the needle for this team. So I'm, I'm looking at really three players, Earl Thomas at the top. If he wants 10, 11, 12 million, give it to him because he's the only free safety, true free safety on the market or likely to be on the market. And when he's healthy and when he was healthy last year, he was the best safety in football. One of the best defensive players in football, full stop. The money is worth it to get a player like that. After that, I don't think Adrian Phillips is going to be available, but if he is, that's someone to target. Adrian Amos is another name, eight, nine, 10 million. That makes sense. Trey Boston, three, four, five, six million. They have options at each price point. And each, each signing would signal something to us about how they feel about that position and potentially where they want to go in the draft. Signing Trey Boston on a low money deal could mean they're more willing to use high draft assets. Signing someone like Earl Thomas means it's pretty unlikely that they're going to use a top pick on a safety so soon after using one on Josh Jones and with the other options that are available to them. That's not to say they won't. I think it just decreases the likelihood. You can say take best player available, whatever, whatever. Those are those are easier for, for us to say watching than it is for a team to make a decision. So that doesn't mean their right to ignore that position. I, th- I think they can still sign someone and draft someone, especially considering how often they play three safeties. But I think signing someone like Earl Thomas decreases their will- willingness and decreases the likelihood they're going to use high draft capital on a safety, except in you know a situation where they see value that they, that they can't pass up. Is that likely? I don't know. We'll have to see how the draft breaks, and that is where we're going next. This episode is brought to you by Shell,
2: The one with a subscription that delivers new brush heads for just $5. Your teeth deserve this one. Philips One by Sonicare. One up your brushing. Learn more at philips.com one. That's P-H-I-L-I-P-S dot com slash O-N-E.
1: I have had the time now to dig into these safety prospects. And, and let me say, um, I think we, we have to throw out some of our old conceptions of what a safety is. This idea that your free safety needs to be a center fielder who can roam the middle of the field and go sideline to sideline, that is becoming less and less of a thing that teams are asking their safeties to do. If you, if you can do it, you're incredibly valuable. But, I mean, in the last few drafts, I th- there's really only, like, one guy who has really fit that bill. Uh, it- it's just not a common trait. And then the-, the box safety, that enforcer type, given the rule changes, that is becoming more and more a thing of the past. But there are these players who you look at them and you say, okay, well, people are giving themselves more opportunities with smaller personnel, you know, the Chargers played a million safeties in the playoffs. The Packers are playing multiple safeties. Their base nickel is a three-safety nickel look. So someone who is not a deep-roaming safety has more opportunities to not only get on the field, but get on the field and have an impact. Look at the kind of impact Derwin James had being able to play all over the field. Look at the kind of impact a linebacker like Leighton vanderesh had on Dallas or Darius Leonard. Here's the the secret there though. You don't have to be a linebacker to have that kind of impact. You can be a safety if you play linebacker if you do the things that a traditional linebacker would do, cover, run and chase, blitz, play in the middle of the field or play, you know, in that in that intermediate space depending on the scheme and and the position that you're playing, you're an overhang defender. You're not quite a safety, Playing deep, you're not a you're not a lineman, you're not a corner. You're playing this this in between space in college. They call it star a lot of times. You're not a real linebacker, you're not a real safety. It's and you're not really a box safety. It's something else. There are these other things, and there are a couple of really good ones in this draft. So Green Bay is going to have opportunities to draft a, a a number of different types of players, and does that change how they attack free agency? Are they, if they like someone like Nasir Adderley and they think they're going to have an opportunity to draft him, does that make them more likely to say, we're happy to spend money on Landon Collins because we're going to aggressively add players who cover up for his deficiencies covering in space? I think that's a potentially risky proposition because you don't know who's going to be available in the draft. You only know who's going to be available to you in free agency when you have the opportunity to sign them. But that the flexibility they have with this draft class because there are so many different types means they don't have to worry as much in free agency because there's going to be a co- a guy that does the kind of thing they need him to do in this class. So I've watched the top six Guys, Florida's Chauncey Gardner-Johnson is the best safety in this group, a legitimate first-round pick, but not someone that I think the Packers will or should consider at 12. Jonathan Abram from Mississippi State is second, Deontay Thompson from Alabama is third, Taylor Rapp from Washington is fourth, Nasir Adderley from Delaware is fifth, Juan Thornhill is sixth. And if we're going to lay them out and the opportunities where Green Bay might have to draft them, I don't think there's a safety worth taking at 12. If there were, I don't think it would be a bad idea to do it. I just don't think there's a player there worth taking. I would take that top three group, Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, Jonathan Abram, and Deontay Thompson. Those are guys at 30 who I think make sense and in that order. Chauncey Gardner-Johnson is an ascending player who is extremely athletic, who is uh, dynamic with the ball in his hand, and is a playmaker. That's just what he is. He is a playmaker, a splash player. He can cover like a corner in the slot or on the boundary. He can play deep middle, and he's a more physical tackler than his size would, would indicate. I really like him. Abram is the enforcer type. There are some shades of Cam Chancellor on his tape. And I don't say that lightly. He is a heat-seeking missile, but not in a not in a dangerous way. Not in a way that's going to get him flagged a bunch. He can play a little bit out of control at times, but he is also a playmaker. He is if if Devon White is a C-ball hit ball linebacker, then Jonathan Abram is a little bit th- that kind of player as a safety, but reads and reacts faster and is more reliable than someone like Deontay Thompson, who is slow to read at times, is not quite as fast sideline to sideline, and is more inconsistent as a tackler, but I think has some upside. And, and really, the, the best version of Deontay Thompson might be the best safety in this class. It's just not the guy that he was consistently enough. The, the group that I think are second-round players are really interesting to me because Taylor Rapp is that overhang defender. He's not going to be. He's not going to be a great single high safety. He can be a, a good two safety, two high safety. But you want him in the box. You want him in the slot. You want him playing a little bit of everywhere. Blitzing off the edge. Let him do it all. Let him play that true overhang safety position. Let him play that nickel position. But that's another reason why I really like someone like Chauncey Gardner Johnson or Nasir Adderley for this team. They can cover in the slot. And so if you're Mike Patton. And you can say, all right, we can play three safeties and basically be in what is nickel for most teams, not lose anything defending the run and not lose anything defending the pass because this third safety of ours can cover in the slot, can cover split out tight ends, but can also give us something as a run defender that is exceedingly valuable. I don't think Adderley is the first round talent he's been billed as. For a number of reasons that we can get into at a later date, I I really wanted to like him going into watching him play and just came away a little bit colder than I thought I would. Uh, I thought I was going to go see a ball hawk, and instead I saw a guy who just really just takes advantage of bad quarterback play. Uh, When you look at someone like Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, for example, when he makes an interception, it's because he reads the quarterback eyes, he explodes to the sideline, and makes the pick. Those are things that you want to see when you turn on these guys and watch them play. And then the third round pick that I think could really be interesting here, if he gets there, if he gets to 75, Juan Thornhill from Virginia, a little bit under the radar. He is not a superstar. He just makes the plays in front of him. He's not a burner athletically, but he can run with most guys. If he is on your team, he can start for you. I don't think he's a, he's not a third round talent. I think he's a borderline second. He's a mid day three type player, but I don't think he's going to test great. That could push him down a little bit. And now he's in that third round range where he can come in and, and he can just be a solid dude. He can be what you wanted Tremont Williams to be. He can be what Trey Boston is just a guy who's going to come in and be solid for you, who has experience, who's going to play smart and under control Make the tackles he has to make. Not going to be a super high impact player, but just going to be solid. There is a value in just being solid, especially at safety, where you're a last line of defense player a lot. That just having someone solid could really be an improvement for the Packers. So that is the that is the group at at safety. I don't I don't know that there is a, a position where I, I point to and I say that's the sweet spot for them. Uh, I, I like that 30 spot because of the players that are going to be available there. Uh, I, I don't think, you know, Mel Kiper had Abram as the, as the first safety taken in his last mock draft. I know Deontay Thompson is a top 10 player, according to some people. And I think Chauncey Gardner Johnson is, is very underrated. So we'll see how this board starts to shake out. I think 44 is a, is a potential target spot, depending on what they're able to do in free agency, how the draft shakes out. You know, if they add a right guard, let's say, in free agency, they can get their pass rusher at 12. They get their there. There's a safety there at 30. They can get a tight end at 44. That's a real that's starting to look like a really good draft if they get their pass rusher at 12. And, you know, Chauncey Gardner Johnson's there at 30. Grab him. Grab him. I think that would be really good value and and a player that could come in right away and and be an impact player. For the Green Bay Packers, that is what the draft is for, and so that's what they have to try and do. They need help at safety, and they're going to have myriad opportunities with a host of players who can come in and make this team better. They have to take advantage of those opportunities. We're going to have Andy Herman and Jack Webber on the show tomorrow to talk free agent priorities, free agent ideas about how the Packers should attack this offseason and beyond it should be a fun conversation with those two guys and then we'll be back next week talking NFL draft NFL combine starts in earnest next week so we're going to have a lot to talk about in terms of who's performing well who isn't guys to look out for players to watch and everything related to the NFL draft we're going to keep you up to date here and then before you know it it's going to be free agency so what are the what are the rumors what are the reports out there who is doing what? And who could be interested in what? Antonio Brown on the trade market. Odell Beckham maybe on the trade market. So we will never have a shortage of things to talk about, even in the offseason. So if you are new to Locked on Packers, one more show this week. We'll be back next week, four shows a week in the offseason to slake your thirst for all things Packers. Remember, uh, if you can't wait for a new show, uh, you can always hit me up on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. Uh, You can do that at Locked on Packers like us on facebook subscribe and rate the show on itunes let us know how you like the show offer suggestions treat it as a comment box if you like something we're doing let us know and if you think we could be doing something better let us know that as well but just give us a five star review that would be much appreciated and anytime you want to hit us up on the On packers fan hotline you can do that 920-341-3775 to stay locked on packers